It's that time again, Our Town Live, where friends, family, people you know, share with us their unique bits of wisdom for another show. Are you unhappy at work? A change is in your future. You know, we all can't be astronauts, professional athletes, dolphin trainers, or test pilots. Some of us have to work for a living. I'm not implying that the people in those professions don't actually work. I'm suggesting that some jobs might not seem like work. Unfortunately, I don't have one of those jobs, and I'm guessing you don't either. For the majority of us, work is a daily grind of repeating the same repetitive task day after day, month after month, year after year, while spending eight or more hours a day with arrogant bosses and surly co-workers. There is, however, hope for us drones. A change is coming. It may not be today, tomorrow, or even this year, but your present situation will change. It has to. It's the law. Okay, maybe not the law, but it is a law. It's known as the universal law of impermanence, which states that everything changes. Confucius said, find a job you love and you'll never have to work another day in your life. If that sounds good to you, you probably don't want to wait eons for it to occur. Buddhism teaches us that we can either wait for the change to occur naturally, or we can initiate the change. It's the difference between taking control of our lives or leaving it all up to the whim of the universe. How much time have you spent actually trying to improve your situation? Sure, complaining is easy, but it accomplishes very little. Have you actually looked for another job? Have you tried to improve your skills through in-house training, adult learning centers, books, or correspondence courses? If none of these options are available to you, have you tried creating a better relationship with your boss and coworkers? Even the smallest step in the right direction is progress. There is no one solution that's perfect for everyone. We all have unique situations, but if we are persistent and creative enough, there are always options available to begin the process of change. Some people believe that finding happiness at work is as elusive as finding the Holy Grail. But how will you know until you really have tried it? You can help speed up the process of change, or you can wait for it to occur naturally. Either way, a change is coming. It's a law. Understanding work stress will allow you to take control. You may be experiencing the symptoms of work stress burnout even if you're as young as 25 to 30 years of age, though most people affected are in their early 40s. Some people experience a sudden grief and loss, while others perceive that something is changing, but it may take several years to manifest. Are you feeling a lack of personal achievement and satisfaction at work? This is one of the early warning signs. Is going to work a time-consuming drudgery and work itself a day-long bore? Do frustration levels increase exponentially as you grapple with life issues, which could show that you are not in control? If so, you're not alone. You're on the downhill slide to work stress burnout. Don't expect your spouse or boss to understand what you're going through, as burnout is extremely personal in nature. You're having the crisis, not them. You may be led to blame your spouse or boss for the way you're feeling as they seem to be the closest source of your pain and angst. However, if your condition is 
true workplace burnout, then you will need professional help to shift your perceptions into a more realistic balance. There are emotional and physical symptoms associated with what you're going through. Let's talk about some of the emotional symptoms of stress experienced at work. The emotional symptoms usually show up as the first sign of burnout. You may often feel an unrelenting stress, lack enthusiasm, have a sense of loss of control, as well as experience an unexplainable grief. You may want to blame those around you for the way you feel, but this rarely resolves the inner turmoil that you're experiencing. In severe cases of work stress burnout, people experience thoughts of suicide, and even in mild cases, the thought of total detachment through this means may seem to be a way out. Many people who experience the emotional symptoms often show up at the door seeking help with a loss of spark in their personality. Nothing I do is worth it anymore, they say. This feeling often results in a loss of productivity and creativity. It also fuels negativity and cynicism with a quickness to get angry and blame others. Over time, you may find solace in detaching yourself from others. However, this rarely resolves the issue. There are physical symptoms that accompany job stress. Work stress burnout also affects your body. The feeling of never being able to do enough may drive you to work extensively long hours in an effort to catch up. Physical exhaustion may take the form of headaches, physical shaking from head to foot, inability to think clearly, and being unable to relax. Physical exhaustion also causes you to lose your natural communication ability. So communication between your spouse and children, your boss or co-workers, may sometimes become explosive. There is also the possibility of experiencing gastrointestinal problems as your body is unable to cope with extensively long hours of work. Is there a solution? You bet. In a survey conducted a few months back, we realized a very crucial fact pertaining to professional careers. A common question is, is your job really stressful? What was really uncommon was the result of the survey. We realized that a majority of the survey takers were happy with their job. Every morning was a new challenge to them as far as their jobs were concerned. However, this was a positive feedback and contradicts the fact that many people are unhappy with their jobs. So we researched more on the topic. This is what we found out. 90% of the masses are happy with their job but extremely stressed because of many allied factors. Here goes the boss's pet, a phrase used commonly against people that try to be extra friendly to their seniors or bosses. This is mainly done with the motive to get noticed in the eyes of your seniors or bosses, people who are called so because of unavoidable stress to the rest of their colleagues. Their colleagues won't just envy such people, but would be worried that their contribution towards the company would be overlooked and decisions could be influenced by that particular person. On the other side of the story would be the fear incurred by such people of losing the attention that they got from the seniors. This could be considered as one important factor that could cause that person to part ways from the company or cause their colleagues to do so. Another point that was high up in the list of factors that cause stress in a corporate environment is sabotaging the company. This can happen in many different ways. Let's take a look. 
a senior chef of a hotel got a better job opportunity at another place. He made up his mind and decided to leave. During his notice period at the company, he offered better job opportunities and remunerations to his junior staff and asked them to quit too. They did the same and joined him at the new workplace. All the chefs who left were happy. However, this is not the end of the story. Here we see the one person so easily sabotaged the entire hotel. This is one concern that keeps bothering many people. They keep living under the fear that if any member of their team quits, then how do they manage the rest of the team so that it doesn't look like the effect hurts the business? Another cause of the stress element in everyday professional life is competition. In fact, competition is one issue that if done over a certain limit could be harmful if in any phase of life. Example, two good friends were employed at the same law firm. They were new and the urge to impress their seniors was obvious. This led to more competition between the two of them. For every small case they got, they were always a tough battle for the pole position. Every case was thoroughly studied, well-researched, and amazingly presented to their seniors. The seniors were happy with both their performances. However, something that was ignored and later faded was their friendly and their trust in each other. Healthy competition is always a step towards success, but over a certain limit, it could be very harmful. This competition would make all the competitors stressful. It could cause ill health, mental sickness, employee sabotage, or even force an employee to quit the job. Last but not least, backstabbing a colleague. This happens in most cases and could cause a lot of stress to the person who's being backstabbed and the person who backstabbed them. The first person may be extremely stressed as they were backstabbed once and would fear to trust any other employee. They might also be forced to quit their job due to bad performance. The backstabber, on the other hand, will also be stressed because he would fear the fact that someone else could backstab him or else if his colleagues would realize his behavior, then they would avoid him and ignore him completely. People generally backstab other friends or colleagues with the intentions of hatred, envy, and jealousy. These were some conclusive factors that the second survey resulted in. One more thing we often see. People often change their jobs because they were offered more pay or a lesser hardworking job. Your work should internally feel so good, so great, so work hard and true. There are no shortcuts in life. You may try a shortcut, but soon you will realize that we don't work for the money, but we get money because we work and enjoy it. Shifting your focus. The first step toward assisting in stress relief is to realize where the stress is coming from, namely yourself. No person or situation in and of itself directly causes stress, depression, frustration, or anxiety. Rather, it is the meaning and attitudes a person attributes to the external triggers experienced that result in stress. A worker who panics when told he or she is going to be laid off is likely to believe the cause of their stress is exclusively due to the pending layoff. In actuality, the cause of the panic anxiety is not the bad news of the layoff in and of itself, this is called a triggering event, but it is instead the individual's attitude of catastrophe. They attribute total disaster 
to this bad news resulting in feeling overwhelmed with panic anxiety. In general, people respond in their own unique ways to external stimuli, even when such stimuli are to be only negative. This guide is designed specifically for those people who initially respond to external stressors as if they are catastrophic. Most of the literature on the subject of stress relief, particularly of the self-help genre, offer a routine list of conventional exercise aimed at symptom relief. The next level of stress intervention is by many professionals who typically refer people in crisis to psychiatrists who are quick to prescribe the medication instead of talk therapy. Implicitly, they aim to reduce symptoms rather than to identify underlying causes. The authors of this guide strongly believe that symptom relief alone is not sufficient enough to enable those in need of relief to feel significantly better. Attitude shifting. The need to shift from a negative attitude to positive and how to do it. One factor that makes this guide unique is that it rarely mentioned, if at all, fact that there has to be a shift in a person's attitude towards his emotional responses to the trigger events for effective long-time mastery to occur. This shift necessitates a change in attitude from a negative one to a positive one with respect to experiencing anxiety, frustration, depression, and or stress. The author Gibbs Williams says, This is so because I have witnessed that most people who come into the first psychotherapy session in a state of crisis when asked about their attitude to the anxiety, depression, frustration, and stress characteristically respond. They get more anxious when they are anxious, more frustrated when they are frustrated, more depressed when they are depressed, and more stressed out when they are stressed. Thus, they typically hate these feelings, experiencing them as attacked by individual enemy forces, wishing they could instantly rid themselves of their painful discomfort. Rather than confronting them head-on, viewing them as inevitable life limitations that have to be tolerated. What you must realize is that these feelings are not pathological symptoms that should be suppressed or masked. Each of them is a normal, healthy reaction to inevitable life limitations. Each of these normal reactions is necessary for our survival. They each signal that some act of creative intervention is necessary to resolve inevitable complicated life problems and to ensure basic survival as well as contributing to the creative process of forging and sustaining a life of meaningful significance. In other words, thriving. Let's talk now about conventional approaches to stress management. You know, if you Google stress and anxiety, it'll produce thousands of references. But before introducing you, the podcast listener, to what's new in managing anxiety, depression, frustration, stress, it is valuable to survey the conventional approaches. There are literally thousands of self-help sites offering numerous techniques such as meditation, yoga, bodywork, therapies, etc. All of them work for some people. The following is a condensed list of stress busters of the therapists and anxiety reducers. Note that you have to experiment with what is most effective if any, for you. They will differ with respect to how long-lasting they are. Amplify, select, and try. 
the list is in no particular order. Go to lunch with a friend. Read for fun. Light novels, mystery, serious novels. Exercise. Don't exercise. Walk your dog. Connect with the family. If you need to, cry. Play cards. Play dominoes. Go bowling. Practice Tai Chi. Watch others practice Tai Chi. Watch good or bad movies and escape TV on purpose. Turn off the TV. Spend relaxing time on your computer. Turn off your computer. Get sufficient sleep. Meditate. Spend time in nature. Tune into your faith, whatever this may be for you. Rule out medical issues. Paint a picture. Paint your home. Go rock climbing. Get a massage. Take a hot bath. Smile at somebody. Practice random acts of kindness. Pay for the food of the person in the drive through behind you. Veg out a little. Spend time alone. Chat with a friend on the phone. Get a detox treatment. Hug a friend or loved one. Engage in self-analysis to figure it out. Go to therapy to figure it out. Laugh. Take in a comedy. Treat yourself to a gelato. Better yet, treat yourself to ice cream. Listen to your favorite music. Listen to nature. Burn scented candles. Put flowers around your room. Go to the theater, ballet, or symphony. Open the curtains and let the sun shine in. Bake bread. Use some beautiful visual art. Get a bottle of your favorite wine. Actually, whereas some of these exercises work well for many people, for others they provide only limited relief. You have to experiment with what is most efficient for you. These exercises will differ with respect to how long their positive effects last. Select them and try. If they have been or are of limited benefit, listen on. The major limitation of the list above is that their positive effects tend to be short-lived. The reason for this is that the standard exercise reduced symptoms but failed to address causes. People suffering from the debilitating effects of stress and anxiety are best helped when the causes of their particular stress and anxiety are identified and mastered. In many cases, there are multiple causes that converge, resulting in a combination of anxiety, depression, frustration, and also stress. Many of the standard exercises require a great deal of attention and time to utilize them because most people in the grips of stress and anxiety are unable to focus as they are literally unable to think straight. Their attention span is limited, often interfering with completing the exercises. Since there is a narrowing of focus for most people who are stressed out and anxious, they are often overwhelmed with too much information thrown at them. We call it information overload. Any of these rational solutions will work for relatively uncomplicated problems. However, when it comes to solving complex problems, effective solutions often do not really work. These sound good in theory. However, many people in the grips of frustration, anxiety, and stress are unable to make use of these suggestions as the chemicals in their mind, adrenaline, literally interfere with thinking clearly. In states of high stress and anxiety, the mind literally cannot think straight and instead seems to be racing. This is an important point as most advice about coping with these painful feelings assumes that people have the wherewithal 
to follow explicit directions in carrying out these suggested exercises. They often fail to mention that many people in the grips of anxiety and stress are literally unable to focus their attention for more than a few minutes at a time. Therefore, overwhelmed by a sense of urgency, they are likely to either give up or direct their attention in relatively short order as soon as they experience moving beyond their fail-safe points. There is good stress and there is bad stress. Good stress is the type that propels a person to excel, to reach a new height, or to complete a big project on time. And there's bad stress. Stress that comes from conflict or worries. Stress that keeps a person from sleeping and happiness. Stress that calls for relief. Here are three stress relief tips you can follow. Trying meditation. Can there be a more obvious stress relief strategy than to bring your entire physical being into a state of calm? Meditation techniques often involve visualization of something calm, like a blank screen or clouds, or it can mean clarifying your mind entirely. If stress is caused by how we allow our minds to be captured by worries and fears, then replacing those worries and fears with calmer images is the obvious way to reduce stress. If relaxing to a state where even your blood vessels are almost still is the ultimate in stress relief, surely exercise, which even gets your blood pumping at breakneck speed, must be the ultimate stress demon. Not so. In fact, the bigger the muscles you exercise, the more or less stress you will bear. That's because exercise releases physical tension in the muscles. Here's another tip. Exercise in water to reduce stress even more. Why? Because you're more Buoyant on water, gravity takes a much gentler toll on your body, so the tension created in your muscles just by holding you up gets released. For the ultimate stress release, exercise in water, or meditate in water, or laugh in water. Stress is a permanent feature of our lives, but it really seems to ramp up at work. More than two-thirds of American workers report that workplace stress is a huge problem. This means we're all spending way too much time in fight-or-flight mode, and it's taking a toll on our bodies through weakened immune systems, high blood pressure, and heart disease. These conditions shorten our lives and lower the quality of what's left. There are lots of strategies for managing stress, but when stress blindsides us with no time to prepare, we don't need strategy. We need quick, practical steps we can take now that work fast and can be done anywhere. When stress launches its next surprise attack, try one of these. Breathe deeply, visualize mentally, relax progressively. Breathing deeply could be the single most effective way to stay calm. Everyone breathes, but a lot of us breathe the wrong way, shallow, fast, and high in the chest. This kind of breathing is restricted. It increases our activity and it fuels our body's negative stress reactions. Slow, deep breathing triggers a relaxation response, calming the body and focusing the mind. It increases the amount of oxygen in our blood, raising our performance potential. Are you breathing the right way? To find out, try this. Put one hand on your chest and the other on your abdomen, just below your rib cage. Now breathe. Which hand moves? 
If it's the hand on your chest, you're breathing in too slow. The trick is to make the hand on your abdomen move. Inhale deeply while you slowly count to five. Try to get your abdomen to expand instead of your chest. If you have trouble making it happen, try it lying on your back. With a little practice and patience, you'll be able to shift into a deep breathing pattern automatically. Once you learn the technique of deep breathing, you can do it anytime, in the middle of rush hour traffic, right before you handle the next irate customer, even in the middle of your big presentation. Now try visualizing mentally. There are two kinds of visualization techniques. The first one involves building a mental image of a place that's relaxing for you. It may be a remembered place that triggers relaxed, contented feelings, or it may be imaginary. The basic idea is to give your mind something to focus on beside the stress. Once you have visualized your restful scene, you should spend about 10 minutes attempting to imagine as fully as possible. Inventory your senses. What do you see? How does it smell? Do you hear anything? What do you feel? What can you taste? Then slowly allow yourself to return to the real world around you. Effective visualization will take lots of practice. Professional musicians and Olympic athletes practice a different form of visualization. A mental rehearsal of what's about to happen. Instead of visualizing a relaxing scene, mentally rehearse the situation that's causing you stress. Visualize the meeting you're about to walk into and rehearse what happens. Imagine yourself successfully completing the task that gave you trouble. Visualize feeling calm and in control. This type of mental rehearsal can help you actually attain these feelings when the situation actually becomes reality. Progressive muscle relaxation works the other way, with your body reporting to your mind that all is well. Progressive relaxation works by tensing and relaxing muscles throughout your body, one group at a time. Try this. Starting at your feet and working way up to your head, contract and loosen each muscle group one after the other. Become aware of each muscle. Tense it. Hold the tension for a count of five. Then slowly relax it. As the muscles in your body relax, your mind will become calmer and more focused. The more you practice, the more sensitive your muscles will become to levels of tension and relaxation. The goal is to reach the point where you can relax your body on demand without having to go through the entire cycle. If you can do that, then stress really doesn't stand a chance. Be aware of the situations that cause you negative stress. If you can see them coming sooner, it may give you extra time to breathe deeply, visualize mentally, and relax progressively. Not only will these fast and easy techniques help you in the moment of stress, using them regularly may help loosen the long-term effects of stress on your life and your health. On our next podcast, we will explain the use of our attitude shifters in actively engaging in the process which is designed to shift one's negative attitudes towards anxiety, depression, frustration, and stress to a positive attitude. You'll learn how to implement our three-step process, how to accept, not fight, or deny your current reality, how to make a choice to change your attitude from negative to positive, and how to choose to actively participate in the exercises. 
We sincerely hope you will participate in trying out the suggested exercises in the hope that you will experience significant change and realize that stress management is indeed possible. Hope to see you when we broadcast our next Our Town Live podcast. Also remember, you can purchase the hardcover book, Attitude Shifting, at Amazon.com and also sign up for the online course at OurTownLive.com dot net forward slash course.